Cozy. Um, yeah, I've been a, I've been a little. I'm supposed to like schedule a bunch of podcasts with people, but I kind of just need to like take a break and because we talk a lot about like politics and we talk a lot about social problems and issues. And well, it's about like you know election coming up. Yeah, elections and so I like that stuff, but sometimes I don't know. Lately, I've been I don't know if you noticed, but I've been more like introspective meaning now i've been thinking more about my own personal stuff more lately than about politics politics is just it's like depressing right now you know you really you literally can't do anything you know there's like nothing to be done like the politicians totally are they don't give a shit about any what anybody says did you hear what nancy pelosi said so she said to um a code pink activist. So do you remember like when John Carl and I did one of those spaces and we had that um, lady on Medea, mm-hmm. Medea, I think Medea Evans is her name. She's a founder of code pink. And they're oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, this yeah. group of uh, sort of like hippies, you know, counterculture uh-huh. people from like the sixties and seventies. And they're um, just like really anti-war. Mm-hmm. And so one of them was protesting in front of her house and she came out and she told her go to, go back to China. The woman wasn't even Chinese. She wasn't even Asian. But she said, go back to China. Meaning like, if you're protesting, uh, you know, the support of Israel, it means that you work for the Chinese Communist Party. I was like, all right, this is so stupid. I can't. They they, they don't have any logic at all. Her logic was, it doesn't matter. There there was some bullshit article uh, in the New York Times that said that Code Pink um was financed by chinese spies and you know what they do is like when one of their own meaning like you know these are like 70 year old white women mm-hmm. educated mm-hmm. and they were hippies mm-hmm. liberals mm-hmm. when when they are saying stuff that you need to cancel instead of like doing any you know what they do is they they just call you a spy of russia or spy of china you know yeah and them is like the end of the conversation. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a conversation no, no, terminator. No, no more, no more, you know, discussion or whatever. Yeah, you're a spy. You're trying, you know. All right, so this is the environment. It's so disgusting, and uh, I'm just I'm finding myself like just less and less. You might even take a tolerant. Break. Yeah, I'm just like, what's the point? I know what I'm going to see. I know what I'm going to think. I know what I'm going to feel. And there's nothing to be done about it. Literally nothing, you know. And uh, like I said, you know, I'm not going to go out in the streets and protest and stuff. And uh, I mean, I'm glad people are doing that. Yeah, I think it's meaningful, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of like a supporting group that you know that people are, you know, on the same ground, same page with you. Yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, at this point, it's not even whether or not I support this particular thing or that particular thing. It's just... Um. Uh, you know, it's it's nice to see people care about something. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm like thinking a lot about personal, the personal matters, rather than 
Is that why people become so religious? Because they kind of disappoint. Become religious? Yeah. I think so. I think so. I think something happens. You know, I was talking to Jess about this. Who will we are going to do a pod soon? By the way, I know people haven't heard Jess in a long time, mm-hmm. but we are we're. Uh, but I still, you know, I talk to her. All, we, we talk to her all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she's not disappeared or anything. Um, you know, she's just doing her thing. We mm-hmm. we're in touch. And um, yeah, I was just talking to her about stuff, and I was like, you know. You remember this because mm-hmm. we celebrated my birth. It was just me and you for my 45th birthday. Mm-hmm. And that I told Jess mm-hmm. was the only birthday I remember that had a real meaningful impact on me. Not even like 18 or 21 or 40 did that. Mm-hmm. But 45 changed me. And not in a bad way. I mean, I felt really good. But I was like. I am without a doubt at the midpoint. If I'm lu- if I'm lucky, I'm at the midpoint. Like there's no more denying it. Meaning, whether or not it's the exact midpoint or you know whatever, it's like you're. It's undeniable now mm-hmm. that I'm now past the point where I'm on the way up, and then I'm kind of hanging in the air. And now, the second I turn 45, I'm like, we are on the way down. I mean, it's going to be a long ride down, hopefully, you know, it was a long ride up, but, um, I was like, it's round, it's around, I was just thinking life is a, it's a round trip. Life is a round trip. And so you, I think for a lot of people, when they get to like my age, you start thinking about the implications of that, what it means to be on the return trip. Now the return leg. So that's kind of been what I've been thinking. The one thing I will say is I don't think of it as depressing. I don't think of it as scary. I think of it as wonderful. But uh, uh, the American culture does not see it that way. They don't encourage you to feel like an adult? No. They don't. Well, they don't care. You know, okay. they'll... They'll they'll do whatever they'll sell you drugs you know they'll scare you into buying drugs and stuff or you uh, know, that's whatever one the hell. thing I don't understand yeah. you know I, I they'll they'll figure out some way to make money off you or whatever but for the most part you know um, your your wild spending days are over uh, people over thirty five tend to save a lot more money and by the time you're forty five or whatever I mean you become really frugal at least most people do I think. And, um, you know, the advertising culture is no longer interested in you and culture because culture at large, meaning like pop, you know, media based culture, which is really all there is now, is built on top of this advertising mandate, this marketing mandate. Right. Um, It really has nothing to say to anyone over that is not between the ages of 18 and 35. You know, and so. If you're an American, I mean, people of my generation and, and um, younger people will f- will see this as well. Is that um, if you if you've learned a lot about life through American culture, you're not prepared for the second half of your life. You're just not. It just the it, the the thing the. Um, what do you mean? Is it like the TV show don't tell you about 
the possibility what you can do? I mean, it's it's not just that it doesn't tell you, but that it just doesn't it doesn't it only allows you to view life as meaningful uh when you're in sort of like the prime, right? The sort of like young and uh you know, a lot of libido, right? Driven by all these young person impulses. And when their their view, the culture, there being the culture, the people who create this culture, the their view of adult life mm-hmm. past the age of 35, your job is to basically sacrifice yourself to raise the next group who will become the replacement for you. Okay. Of eight. And, but the whole point is to keep that cohort of 18 to 35 alive, alive right? So you're either 18 to 35 or you're raising the next set of people who will be the 18 to 35 year old prime demographic for the marketers. So it pretty much like you cannot be who you are anymore. Like after age 35. Yeah. I mean the, the view of adults is basically like raise the next generation and then go fuck yourself. And they wonder why the fertility rate is dropping, you know, because, <laughs> because that's literally it. It's like, you know, uh, the only meaningful part of life is the 17 years of your prime. The first 18 is just about getting ready to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And then everything after that is making the next generation of this stuff. And, you know, it's really sad because I think the reality is that, um, you know, the, the real culture that informs like the entirety of life is so much more um it's so much deeper and wider and bigger than this crass consumer culture that we have and so it's just um and you know i don't think that people are like this i just think that that's our cultural background and that is why i think um ah, people run into problems in midlife up their mind and then um, that's why there's a lot of depression going on. it messes up your mind because you start confronting things that that culture doesn't really oh, want you to know or think you. about or prepare yeah okay and so it just you know but don't you learn it from your dad yeah you should i mean you should be getting some of this from your family you know yeah. that's what i mean i think have my parents ultimately were important in laying because they're so chinese you know mm-hmm. you know my parents mm-hmm. they're not like they're not very assimilated types they're no not, that's why we can still talk about a lot of tv show why you don't know what the hell we're talking about yeah and just their their what what chinese call shangfa right like their idea their Thinking. yeah their mentality mm-hmm. is not you know, they've never been comfortable with or not comfortable. With, they've never been approving of American culture. <laughs> you know, they've always viewed it as the way I see it now. They, they, they I think because people that come from um, more traditional cultures mm-hmm. that have been around a long time, mm-hmm. you know, um, come to America. And I think either they're so relieved to not have to deal with that shit anymore and just like just have a silly carefree you know low um low brain mass kind of life mm-hmm. 
uh, or uh, a lot a lot of them I think have are like whoa American culture is really shit like well know. they found it really confusing they don't understand what's going on why would they yeah. do it that way yeah it just doesn't really make sense yeah just how my mom feel it and I don't mean Americans I don't mean America I'm talking about the dominant consume like the the dominant corporate uh corporate produced culture um that has overtaken everything and wiped out you know most what of what i would call let's say like true artistic culture you know there's not many like true artists left there's not a lot of people talking about truth you know it's just it's a lot of like memes and catchy stuff and songs to license to tiktok and you, know. you mean like too shallow yeah, just catchy, you know, brainwormy kind of things. Like you know, eyebore, economic. Something that will will be able to hook your attention within the first three, four seconds of listening to it. And you mean kind of like a drug? Yeah, yeah, like a fast acting drug. And um, you know, there's not much room for like true artistry anymore, and there's not much room for really deep contemplation, and there's not, um, like you're not encouraged to do that by this culture. You know, but the thing is, this culture is not like pow- all powerful. It's not like you have to abide by it. I'm just saying that that's, you know, it sucked the air out of the room. And I feel like for people my age, mm-hmm. and I suspect even younger, I, I think this begins like 10 years before you get to my age, you know, and, and I felt it a while ago. It just became undeniable by 45. And then I was kind of glad that I, I guess I'm kind of glad that. I had spent time thinking about this and then 45 is when I realized that that was probably the right thing to do um, is get your just sort of detach from mainstream culture altogether. Don't pay attention to it. Don't care about it. Don't be like a young person. I mean, I still see people my age that are worried about being cool. How do you attach yourself to the mainstream culture? Like watching the advertisement, watching the TV show? I mean, I think the main way is um, it, it's through a certain life style or a certain view of life. Where do you get that idea from? It's advertising. And it's not just – I don't mean like just commercials and billboards. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, everything right now is meant to move product. Like the content itself is meant to move product. Um, journalism and – uh, you know, reading like all these websites that have article, you know, people who read articles, social media links, and all this stuff. It's all commercially driven. It is all meant to move product. And um, you know, one of the big, like one of the things that, like, people may think I'm talking about clothes or handbags or something, but the big one really is like the house. Yeah. I think you know, the the big one really is this dream, this American dream now that. Involves granite countertops, you know, waterfall granite countertops or whatever, uh, Jack and Jill bathrooms, grand foyers, you know, open plan kitchens. Why Jack is that and even good? That's not a good idea to walk in closets. Um, it was, it's the HGTV effect, you know, it was a, it's culture. It's this, it's the, it's the cultural thing that people, when they get older, you know, what you do is you need to have um, a really impressive house and you need to have, uh, 
Why do I have to have an impressed hope? Because that's what makes people happy, you know, or that's what's supposed to make people happy. Um, not to say that people shouldn't have a nice house, but I'm just saying that um, I think that I I know a lot of people who have become real estate uh, obsessed in later life. And I think it crowds out. I think it makes them unhappy because um, it's very expensive to have a nice, to have really premium real estate. And it also takes a lot of time. To maintain it? Yeah. It's a, it's a full-time job. Mm-hmm. You know, and in addition to raising your kids, in addition to um, your job, <laughs> you know, you got to also now um, plan this house out. Well, that normally what keep you busy. Yeah. You fix your car, you fix your house, you take care of your kid, you go to work. Yeah. And you don't have time for your wife. Yeah. And so I don't think the people I know who are in that doom, in that loop... Uh, to me, don't seem happy. They they seem like they're on a treadmill and they're really tired. To be, if I'm being honest, this includes some of my closest friends. Well, including my friend too. Yeah, and I uh, I don't mean to judge them. I'm just saying that I I think that it sucks the life out of you. <laughs> the house. That lifestyle, yeah, yeah, you know. It just. It, but what kind of lifestyle can you have? Beside that, I think it's really it's really how when I talk with some of my friends, um, they it just seems like they're uncomfortable with talking frankly and directly about the seriousness of life. You know. Uh, they they like to keep everything super lighthearted and they like to keep everything what, very what do you mean by serious joking around joking about dumb shit you know um talking about really meaningless stuff like cars off season sports rumors and cars yeah you know um countertops <laughs> uh stuff like that and there's not there's not a lot of you know just frank discussion about other stuff like well, aging parents, marital problems, you know, whatever. We talk about we meet my female friend. We talk mm-hmm. about the house. Yeah. We talk about the kid. We talk about work. We talk about you know the in law. Yeah, you guys the do parents. You guys do better. Really? I think so. We do gases. Oh, talk about each other. Yeah. Whether that person have depression or not. Yeah, and then and then you know it's like I think that's why there's this huge trend in people seeing therapists mm-hmm. because oh because you need you, someone to talk to about that shit you know you like mean, you mean the, like I'm my friend or you know we are each other therapists by now, talking yeah, well, about everything see I see I'm now saying I'm now shying away from making that statement because I don't think that friends act as therapists i think therapists act as friends i i think uh, truthfully you know outside of like really acute problems like addiction you know counseling or that kind of stuff where you have an acute problem that you need to see a therapist for mm-hmm. you know or like a real illness uh-huh. um i think that the 
just the just your average I'm kind of depressed person who sees a therapist. Mm-hmm. I think that the therapist is acting as a replacement for friends, not the other way around. Meaning friends are not like functioning as friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because I hear this is thing now that people say that like f- these days a lot of friends are like drawing hard boundaries about what they're willing to talk to with with their other friends with with their friends and they'll say stuff like i'm a friend not um a free therapist you know and um and so everything's become inverted because it's like they they think that the therapist relationship is the primal and and real relationship and friendship should not be some you know cheap replacement for what you really need which is a therapist i'm like no 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 what the hell is a therapist a therapist to me is more or less like the emotional equivalent of a sex worker. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's it's just you're paying someone to care about your shit. That's what it is. You're paying someone to take you seriously. Okay, but I thought that what a friend would do. Yeah, but these days friends are like, no, go talk to your therapist about it, apparently. But well, so why would I need a friend for? Uh, to talk about countertops? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what friends are for then, you know? So... That, that's that's my thing you know people are always like oh they joke now it's like oh yeah this is my i used to joke like oh doing the podcast with my friends is free therapy and i don't make that joke anymore because i'm like that's not true that's just friendship therapy stepped in to replace the the uh the retreat of friendship so it's it's the it's the what i'm saying is that friends are not a replacement for therapy therapy is a replacement for friendship Mm. You see what I'm saying? So, so, so therapy is the modern invention. Friendship is the thing that's been around forever. So, so you you tell me what replaced what, you know? So meaning your friend should be kind of like your emotional supporter. Yeah. To you know talk about shit, but I I I mean I do. I did stay away from one of my friends who keep running into the same problem over and over again and keep telling me the same thing. Well, I'm not saying you should be friends with everyone. But I, you know, but with other friends, we just talk about a lot of different stuff, but mostly human-related mm-hmm. people around us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I said, I think it's very important to compare notes with your friends and especially similarly aged and situated friends you know going through the same things together um i'm not sure how deep we would talk about things like how mm-hmm. how much they're willing to talk about but i think we talk about the daily life what's going on and stuff yeah i mean i will say i think my i'm bet my friends and i are better than average like we will talk about stuff you guys talk all day yeah we talk all the time um, so I'm not make I'm, I'm kind of taking, I guess I'm kind of making this up a little bit in terms of what I think is happening out there. No, I think you, I don't know if it's actually happening, but I get the feeling like it is, you know, maybe, maybe you heard it from somebody else. You see how other friends interact with Kind of. Yeah. That's why you got the idea. Yeah. Maybe you saw it online, maybe you heard it from your friend, friend. Yeah. Oh yeah. You told me that, you know, some of your friends have some weird friends. Yeah, they they're just. I I feel like a lot of the things that they say to each other, um, that I hear secondhand. You know, like my friend will tell me what their other friend said. It's like blind leading the blind. I mean, they just, <laughs> you know, they're. It's just not very. 
he's just like not really help. You know, someone's going through a really tough time, and people are just like, "Oh, it could be worse." <laughs> that's, not, that's not the point. That's you know, like think about the bright side. I'm like, why would I think about the bright side? This is terrible. Um, you know. But what else can they say? Sometimes people don't know what to say. I mean, I I just told her, you know, well, you're mourning. You're in mourning. Of course, it's gonna suck. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, like, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry it sucks, <laughs> you know. But you have to, you have to, you have to properly mourn it, you know. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh my god, I hear all the time about people losing someone, people losing their parents. My parents are losing their friends. You know, life is slapping you right in the face as you get older. But then what's gonna um, happen when you get older? What do you mean? You losing people? Yeah, you lose people. It happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been slowly. I mean, as a cohort. I mean, as like my my generation, my the people I grew up with. Mm-hmm. We've been slowly losing people this whole time. Slowly, but it happens. Mm-hmm. And then it starts to accelerate as you get older. You know, and people die in their thirties. You know. I hear you. You never hear that. Like I, I'll just be talking with my friends, and we'll be talking about people from that we knew from high school, mm-hmm. and someone will just randomly say, "Oh, you know, she, she passed away from cancer." Oh. I was like, "What?" Yeah, oh. you know, this girl that we knew. You know, she was in our class, and oh. she, then she had three kids, and then dead of cancer. You're like, "What? What? Seriously?" Yeah. Well, well I do shocking. remember shocking a, a a a girl that I, I mean, a woman that I know from. High school, mm. you know, she just typed on her Facebook saying like, "Goodbye, my friend. I love you." And then she just gone. Yeah. She her baby was just like three months old, the youngest one. And you know, here's the thing: is like that's life, and life is um, what it's tough. But as you you know, what the thing is, life is tough. But as you get older, you get tough too. I think I'm a much tougher person than I was 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, I was a tougher person than I was 10 years before that. And uh, the problem that I have with the consumer culture mm-hmm. is that it instills a sense of shame and in older people. They feel shame, ashamed about being older. Um, they, they, older people... The the act of getting older is mocked and made fun of. It mean it you know it's all about getting older and becoming irrelevant, and you know and then we call the well see here's the thing I think that they kind of deserved it but you know when someone says something really stupid you call them a boomer meaning old don't know what you're talking about get with it grandpa you know this stuff and uh, there, look that comes from somewhere beyond just commercial consumer culture okay but it exacerbates it and the problem with that is as you get older um you you start to see that some people kind of wither you know because deep down they're still trying to cling on to their relevance and their youth and the reason i think people do that is because if they don't if they're not living by the almost unquestioned impulses that drive younger people people in a consumer culture um then 
you're you feel suddenly like you're sort of lost at sea without any sort of like navigation navigation uh instruments you don't know which way is up down east west north you know you, you don't know anything because there's no longer um you no longer have a compass so you're left without any you're left without any you're just suddenly like cast out of um of the embrace of culture in America and you realize there's nothing for you why is it so sad because when you're past the prime you're worthless huh yeah when you're past the age of 35 you're you're more or less worthless and your job is to create the next a cohort I of eighteen to thirty-five. America protect people who like you know your age and stuff. I mean, they used to, but those are all that's that's all going away, you know. And and um. Well, so why don't we just all die at the age of forty? Well, remember that that guy Zeke Emanuel, um, Rahm Emanuel's brother, and I think he's a I think he's a medical professor at like Stanford or something, something like that. He wrote an article saying that, you know, he doesn't really want to live much past the age of 65. Huh? He's saying, you know, when you get to 65, he was like, the truth is that we don't, we, you know, we shouldn't live that long. We're way past our working age. And the only thing that gives life meaning is how productive you are. So, and if I can't do meaningful work, then I'm not sure why I'm still alive. So he's like, do I don't think I really want to live much past 65. So why don't you it? just replace yourself with the robot? The robot works much longer. That's what they're trying you. to do. That's what they're trying to do. So why are we here? To make the robots? And then we're gone? Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's very it's a very it's a very anti-humanist time. And I think that one of the problems is that older people are becoming more timid and scared and ashamed. And they don't know that they don't they no longer have the cultural status or confidence to weigh in on the meaning of life and the purpose of life because they don't have any clue what it is and um young people are trained to not listen to them anyway they're trained to listen to social media social media and disguised forms of 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 marketing mm-hmm. um, that they find to be more relevant um, to their oh, immediate was... cycle because they're young and dumb because they, you know, well, because a lot of people get together and then they can chat. Yeah. And so we have really taken the foolishness of youth and it's sort of stupid impulses, which I can understand. I'm not saying that, those are air, terrible, horrible things, but those are youthful things, and you're supposed to overcome, overcome those. You know, you you're older. supposed to calm the fuck down, basically. But there's no calm. There's no chill. You know, everything is always. You know, if you notice, it's just it's a completely hyperactive, overstimulated, and just frankly like nauseating culture. And I cannot believe that young people are coming up in this culture. To me, it's so polluted. It's like watching fish swim in the east river it's i cannot believe that you're in there the east <laughs> river is not that bad anymore but you know like a really polluted river and mm-hmm. then you see fish in there and you're like how are you living in this river this is a this is a waste dump you know but there's life in here i'm not eating that fish 
you know um and that that's how i feel for young people now i feel like they're being raised in filth cultural filth and the parents don't have the confidence to they don't listen to them well we ourselves were raised in filth just not as intense filth as this you know and a lot of us have been um have been programmed to um idolize youth be ashamed of of age and and aging and view the whole process with a very depressing fatalistic view and i'm like no the most beautiful part of life is when you're older because you have you have uh don't you have more control in your life don't you understand more when you get older you know i think for me and i say this remember i'm uh for Liz, I'm I'm like six years older than you, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm older than you. Though I think that puts us at, <laughs> frankly, I think that makes you and me, that puts me as a American man, uh, just slightly behind you in terms of emotional mature, uh, mature m- emotional <laughs> maturity. But I would say 45 was a big bump for me. It was a major event for me, turning 45, because. Like, I'm not trying to say I had some crisis of like, no, it wasn't like that at all. It was like, I finally just let go of any feeling of wanting to hold on to youth. And then, you know, what happened was very interesting. Mm -hmm. I suddenly feel younger. It's weird, but I feel younger, not like the way that a lot of older people want to feel younger is they want to recapture a certain kind of like young man energy. Mm -hmm. But I actually kind of realized it, it, when you get to my age, you can actually go even past that to where you're kind of reliving almost like childhood. And then some of the lessons that we were supposed to have learned as children, I'm relearning them now. At the 45? Yeah. But like, just, 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 just simple things like, um, you know, um, Just, just simple things like not being afraid of the doctor. <laughs> uh, that you know, pain is okay; it'll pass. Uh, it it, it takes a long time. Some people they can never overcome. Like my mom, she's still afraid of pain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still afraid of pain, but then I'm like, ah, you know, I got to get over it. And um, things like you know, I don't, I don't know, just like little little things that, um. I thought was in the domain of kids and I realized like adults don't have this stuff straight. And I don't think we're necessarily ever have it straight, but like, uh, I don't know. Being old kind of feels like being a kid. That, 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 that's the amazing thing I think about, about it. I, I think in China, we have saying that if you reach to what, 60, 70, you become like a old kids again. Yeah. Like you become a kid again. You know, you know, it's funny because you know how kids think anyone over the age of like 20 is like old. I used to think like 30 pretty old. Yeah, 30 or whatever. 10 maybe. And and the funny thing is like if you took a kid out, all these young adults, Mm -hmm. or as I would think middle-aged adults who think they're young adults, um... They, they, they really, be, they've been f- given a huge amount of narcissistic supply 
into the belief that they're young. Mm-hmm. They're not actually young. They're adults. Mm-hmm. It's just that they've been in our culture. They've been granted an extended childhood. So that's kids. about double the, its actual length, right? So, like people will actually kind of be like giant children. It's very unattractive, but like these basically giant children. You know, these old children. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is that the true youth. You know, people under the age of 13 mm-hmm. they think of those people as ancient they think of them as ancient you know um from the sort of like view of the child those people are like old okay. right but the old people the truly old people i think in a way view them the same way view view them as kind of these older old people who are behaving silly behaving just kind of in a way that's not quite understandable you know like i read a lot of the i read a lot of like the cultural uh, like the essays that people write now on in media about what it's like being a 39 year old man and all this stuff and i'm like you guys are so still you guys are navel gazing like a bunch of fucking college students you know like they're i don't know they they're they they're just silly to me and I think kids find them silly too. And uh <laughs> it's like reading a kid book. I yeah, I don't know. Be being being old is just great. Like it just so much of of like you know, adult young uh, the not young adult. Oh my god, young adult is like a 14-year-old. I'm talking about like you know, pre like people in their 20s and 30s. Mhm. Um it's they're just, they're just ridiculous. I think those are the most ridiculous years right now because those are actually deep into adulthood years. But um, there's a Peter Pan effect where, for various reasons, and I think it has a lot to do with capitalism and consumer culture. But I probably that's not the only; those are not the only reasons. But nevertheless, it's like they've doubled the length of our childhood. From eighteen years to thirty-six years, mm-hmm. you know, and um, oh, is it why all the guy acting like very immature this yeah. day and kind of hard to find a real man? That's how I feel when I go on the dating world. Yes, and you know, and this was something that I think a lot of you can okay. My litmus test for whether some guy in his you know adult male. Mm-hmm gets it or not is if they're worried about the uh quote emasculation this is something that guys talk about all the time now they're like you know we've been emasculated men are emasculated they're not men of you know they're not men of decades past when men were real men and women were women and each knew their place and all this stuff and i'm like no you know i think a lot of that just got misinterpreted this whole concept of like we were men yes Mm -hmm. I agree that men were different but a long them. time. Yeah. But the issue but to me, it's not that they were more masculine in the sense of traditional gender roles, right? It had nothing to do with that. I think uh it's an issue of adulthood. So it's not men versus women. It's not like, oh, men used to be like true men, but now they're behaving like women, you know? Bitchy women, you know. That's not what it is. 
What it is is that men are behaving like boys. That's what I think is meant by emasculation, is that they took your adulthood away, not your maleness. And the same goes for applies for women, too. They took their womanhood away. They're acting like girls. And but but for some reason, they're 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 trapped in this gender fight. And what does that sound like? That sounds like adolescence. Who fight? Who what what the when do boys and girls fight gender wars? When they're like kids. Boys versus girls, cooties, all that shit, you know, like when there's this like real fear or thing about, you know, boys on one side, girls on the other. Mm-hmm. This inability for men and women to relate to each other as adults and not let you know your biological sex get in the way of that is a very adult thing to me and so if you can't do that i think the issue is not that you've been feminized Mm -hmm. you're not a feminized man okay you're just like if you cut the balls off of a dog (laughs) right that dog doesn't suddenly become a female dog. It just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't mature. It, you know, that's why we cut the balls off because it kind of stays like a cute little puppy even when it's old. Oh, okay. That's why we do it. They stay docile. That's why they cut the balls off of cows, the bulls, because they, they, if they kept them on, they would act too, they would turn Aggressive. into, like, they would turn into full blown wild bulls. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're, human so it's not that's not the problem but like (laughs) they don't turn into female cows do you you see what i'm saying okay Uh, but but right now there's this real adolescent fear um that if you cut our balls off we'll turn into women and that emasculation means feminization that's not what it means emasculation means the the inability for you to mature into adulthood not to stay male. You see what I'm saying? And so I think the real problem, the real manhood crisis from my perspective as an, I can confidently say I'm an old man now mm-hmm. and I proudly say it is, you know, if you, if you're worried that you're not male enough, then you've missed the picture. You've missed the, I think you've completely missed the point when it comes to this issue of emasculation, which I think is a real issue. The issue with emasculation is being robbed of your maturity and your adulthood. And, and, and so when we say manhood, it should be read in contrast to boyhood, not to womanhood. And I think women are going through the same thing, but I I won't speak for them. But I think that that that's a problem with women too, that a lot of them are stuck in girlhood. Well, you, you, you can see there's a lot of people very narcissistic. It's so feel like the whole world is just them. That isn't that the point. Like that, the reason because they cannot go past the certain stage, and they didn't realize the world not just them. Yeah, they're being manipulated. I mean, just frankly, they're just being manipulated by a culture that doesn't want them to see how big the world yeah. actually is. Yeah, and so it's constant. you know, the way it does it, it's, it's not programming you, like, directly. It's not telling you what to believe or whatever. What it's doing is it's just constantly, um, it's constantly uh, stealing and colonizing your attention. Mm-hmm. And it, it, 
it overwhelms you with stimulus such that you can't quiet yourself down mm-hmm. and focus on what's real mm-hmm. and what's in your life. And a lot, see, the thing is that you realize that I think a lot of the most important things are like kind of subtle. There, You have to like kind of recognize the patterns and it takes time. You know, like if something's going wrong or maybe not even anything, something wrong, but if something's changing in your marriage, let's say, mm-hmm. your, your partner, your spouse is not going to come up to you and tell you what's going on. Uh, he or she, Isn't that going to be like accumulation? Yeah, he or she may not even know what's going on. You know, uh, but you have to be very attentive and um, or with your children or anyone, anyone, your parents or whatever. You have to be very attentive to like small changes Mm -hmm. and you have to note them down. You write them down in your mind Mm -hmm. and then you keep observing Mm -hmm. and you keep seeing these little patterns. And then and then you start picking up like, ah, there's clues like things are changing. And so you react to that. You you. You adapt and, and then, you know, I found like if I do that, I mean, it almost feels like you can read people's minds, but in a good way, not like you're invading their privacy. Do you think that you can read my mind? You know what? You and I communicate so much (laughs) that I don't think it feels that way because we just talk talk about everything and anything all the time. Yeah, that's true. So, no, I don't feel like I can either or need to read your mind because you I we, we communicate a lot. Yeah, we. I mean, we communicate pretty well, I think. I hope. I, I think that, that we're lucky in that way. Um, but part of it is just because, like, I don't know. Sometimes I think about, like, couples that are just really quiet. Like, I get the sense they don't talk to each other much. Oh, that's so scary. You know, uh, to me. Yeah, me too. I think what it is is are people who are just. I feel. I feel like people like that might feel a little bit of shame in who they are. You know, like like they don't feel like they have an. They're interesting enough to talk to each other about. You know, like they don't feel like they're. But you married to that person. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that why because, would you worry? So well, because much? the world is so you know the culture is so overwhelming in its ploy to colonize your attention that I almost feel like it makes it makes it seem as if the reality of your own life is not as interesting as uh, the spectacle that you know they comp- they bombard you with through your television and through ad you know. I don't find that lie interesting. I know that's a lot the thing behind the scene is not real. Yeah, you know, because once you pick up on the nature of the real world around you, like mm-hmm. that stuff just becomes retarded. Like it just it it's loud and obnoxious and the first thing I want to do is just tune it out. Like I have no interest in it, you know, like I can't it's stupid. But I think that a lot of people don't have their defenses up like that, you know, and, and it is getting through and it is occupying their attention and they are getting swept up in in the overstimulation. And it's like a um, it's a dynamic range issue. You know, it's like that's the sounds that they're making are so loud that the that the quieter sounds of your own life are being drowned out. And 
it gets to the point where your hearing is almost compromised. You can't almost you can barely listen to it anymore. Is it why people do meditation? I don't know why they do meditation, but hopefully that's. I think that's part that, that of it. Calm yeah. yourself and then to you focus yourself, yeah. to you know to find out who you are or whatever. Just focus on yourself, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I think people do meditation for a number of reasons. I think a lot of it has to do with performing enhancement and trying to in, in, increase your focus. But if which you, is not in, a bad thing. Well, increase your focus also mean that you're able to kind of find out who you are because now you're calmed down. At least you're calm, yeah, and you can focus on like one task. You know, and then you think about who you are. Yeah, yeah hopefully, but I mean, I, I don't know if that's the what people go into meditation for. But yes, I think meditation is some sort of defense mechanism, defense technique against the overwhelming amount of noise, just sheer fucking cultural noise that is just it, it's so loud that I think people are having the attention equivalent of like hearing loss oh, you know yeah. like when you're at a concert for too long and then you can't it hear was just like you're in a car the music's so loud i don't know how people handle it yeah so um you know hopefully when you by the time you get to like my age it's like you haven't lost all that hearing you can you can you can pay i mean one thing for sure now is like um I immediately started feeling like I I I just was like tuning most most of this shit out. Like I don't know. I, I just feel totally. I feel like I'm living in a kind of alien landscape now, um, where what? you know a lot of the culture out there to me is just like some kind of alien culture that. You mean American or yeah, American culture? Okay. You know, it just has nothing to do with me. But didn't you say you're very American? I am very American, but I I don't consider this American. I think this is some sort of like alien culture that came from somewhere else. Right now? Yeah. It it came it, it effectively came from a different planet as far as I'm concerned. It's not that what you can understand. It didn't come from American people. It came from um American boardrooms and you know, it came from American marketing departments. Why would they create such a shitty because alien it, ditch? They'll they'll do whatever it takes to maximize um, value spending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so they they like to manipulate people. mind. of course, they're marketing. That's literally the definition of marketing: is how to manipulate, is how to shape consumer patterns. So why are we watching the advertisement? Why do we watch it? Yeah, well, we should because do- we think that that's the necessary price to get to the stuff that we want, which is the content. But that what they don't realize is that the content is the real advertising. The real advertising is the content. The the, the ads themselves uh, are of a different, somewhat different purpose. Hmm. Like the pharmaceutical ads, for example. Okay. They don't care that you watch the pharmaceutical ads or not. They don't give a shit. That's not why they run the ads. You know, so it's not just the ads, but it's it's like the thing with the pharmaceuticals, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the advertisements that's driving the overmedication of people, mm-hmm. right? It's not that that's driving the power of pharmaceuticals is the advertisements. It's the money behind the advertisements. 
where did they go to? The television to, to the to the all the television channels that they advertise on, like you know, they they're they're single handedly keeping ABC News and uh, Fox News and whatever alive with their ads. So, you know, of course the reporting, you know, they're going to go soft on the pharmaceuticals when it comes to reporting, right? That's yeah. why they run the ads, to create dependencies on, on the part of the news channels. Well, isn't that indicate that that medicine is kind of dangerous to have if you see that on TV? Uh, some, some are, some aren't. I'm sure there's some good medicines. I'm sure there's some bad ones. But the point is not to sell the medicine, but the point is to create uh, a financial dependence with the news media so that they will not cover, give bad coverage to you. That's why they do it. Everything is so money driven. It's all money driven. It's all money driven. I mean, because the from the 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 people at the top are so high up now, mm-hmm. they can't see the ground anymore. They have no connection to real life on yeah, the ground. Yeah, that's why they say and they don't care about it anymore. To them, it's just a giant poker game, right? It's it's just a giant game, a financial game. It's a game of monopoly. Mm-hmm. To them, there's no other. It's not that they're even that greedy. It's that they. It's. I mean, they are greedy. But that's not even the problem. The problem is that they can't even see what's going on, what's going on anymore. Life. The only thing they can see is tracking the movement of money through a Bloomberg terminal. That's the only kind of intelligence that they even have anymore. You know, so to them, they're like, well, this is the only way. This is the only actionable data that I can get is financial data. That's the only objective measure I have of what's going on in the world. So... You know, they're managing to that. And so all they care about is the movement of money. They don't care about the hearts of people or the minds of people. They don't give a shit. They don't know. They don't even know it exists. And the culture is so debased um, that, you know, human beings may as well not exist. You know, like all they really view like all the extra things that people that make people um, complicated. Mm hmm. And somewhat fussy, mm-hmm. I'd say, or somewhat, um, you know, we're not simple, or you know, and our lives are not. People are not simple. Um, well, everyone is different. Everyone's different, and everyone has, you know, be- becoming like, um, like a healthy, happy individual is very complicated. Like, or not complicated. Sorry. You have to cut through a lot of complexity, right? Like you have to. Ignore it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act. What I'm saying is all this stuff that all that extra human stuff, mm-hmm. you know, from the point of view of the people in charge, it's just inefficient. It just means that we're poorly designed. That that's literally their view. Like we're human beings are just, you know, imper. Like the, our problem is that we were not intelligently designed, and we have all this excess baggage in the form of a soul and a mind and you know it'd be better to get rid of it you know and then we turn into a robot it's an age of autism you know it's an age where someone like elon musk becomes a cultural hero because of how you know autistic he is you know so you know, he like it's so really scary. I don't think it's scary. I just, I, in fact, the, you know what the beautiful thing is, though, is just like 
we, we also live in a time where like every book you ever wanted to read is available. But like, you don't know which one to read. But, but okay. But then there's a million things that are being written about what to read. And I guess my, I think that actually there's a lot of people who are um, aware of all this. I'm not clearly not the only one, right? Like <laughs> there's loads and loads of people who understand that this is a problem and have been in their own way fighting for it. Fight, yeah, trying to re trying to learn how to navigate by the stars again, right? And trying to figure it out. And everyone's doing it. I mean, every old person out there is doing it in my mind, in my experience is like once you age out, you there's no other way. There, look, once you age out of the stupid game that young people are like tricked into playing, and thinking that they're cool doing it, which is extending their childhood by an extra 18 years, right? Mm -hmm. um, once they realize that that's a stupid idea and it's undignified, um, you know, I can't blame them because there's it's not clear. You're stepping out into the cold. You know, there's no further guidance as to how you're supposed to spend your time and your effort. But eventually it happens to you. It just it must happen to you. Otherwise, you become very pathetic. You know, I mean, imagine being 46-year-old trying to be cool. You know, trying to be cool. Uh, eventually, you you realize, yeah, um, I'm being kicked to the curb. I, either I'm sick of this and I don't want to have anything to do with this shit anymore, or the culture's sick of you and doesn't want to have anything to do with you anymore because you're too old and giving it a bad look. You're going to find yourself out of the cold one way or another. And eventually, I think a lot of people either get depressed and overwhelmed by it. But majority of people, they just realize, okay, I've got to, I've got to figure this out now. Like, I've got to. If you're still alive, yes. Yeah. You, you know, you've got to. You've got to um, like, we don't have the benefit of a culture that prepares you for that in life you know but you do like, see people people do they, it people do how it. they live their life yeah and people are the good example but it's a lot to i mean it's a lot to do right it's a lot to ask people to be like okay think like a child for the first three and a half decades of your life and then suddenly mature into an adult uh a, like an adult in the you know original sense of the word right like not not just like an adult, like a old person, but like adult in mind and spirit. And uh, I don't know, it's just, it's a lot of work. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's much easier, I think, growing up in like a mature culture where from day one, you know, maturity of adulthood was like an ideal that you could see and experience and kind of aim for, you know, from the start, from when you were young, instead of, and so, so you didn't get tricked into this huge, giant, unproductive, undignified detour into Peter Pan existence. You know, extended, a grotesquely extended uh, childhood. Well, I think I just learned it from my parents. And they never make me feel like they are immature. Yeah. They're just acting like parents. The funny thing is, they're super immature in their own way. Like, but yeah. in a very, yeah, in a but in a very charming way. They're like. But they're getting older. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Maturity doesn't mean like, you know, loss of loss of vitality. 
loss of humor. Not, it's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, we're old now. We're just thing. deadly serious. You, no, it's not. It's in fact, I think it's 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 uh, the most lighthearted. It's like one of the most lighthearted times of my life right now. Like things seem so much less serious now. Than, okay, you know what? It's the most important thing to you, and what it's not. Yeah, and it's the same thing that's most important to a kid. You know, the kids instinctively like value their relationship because you know deep inside the uh, genetic heritage of a you know the genetic foundation of a child is its deep, deep, deep attachment to its parents. Yeah, of course. Right. We got the DNA from them. Yeah, and 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 then you forget that. You forget those attachments, and then when you get old, suddenly you remember them again in a weird way. I think it just recall. It finally hit you when you calm down and stuff. When you're getting older. Yeah, just you know, a lot of the, a lot of the bullshit. It just evaporates. You know, it's just like. How did that happen overnight? Or did well, for me, it, for me, you know, it just it really felt. I mean, it's been fading for a long time, like. Um, I was never, I always had sort of like, um, a very deep suspicion of, uh, life of American, uh, culture and mm-hmm. uh, attitudes towards life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know what the alternative was. And then when I got older, I don't know, suddenly at 45, I just lost whatever final attack, whatever remaining attachments I had to it seemed to just go. And I don't mean American culture in the sense like there's no such thing as great American cultural products. There are. I mean, but I'm saying the current state of American culture. Not what not maybe what came before. When when I think maybe we were a little bit less like this. You know. I don't know. I think in a way that you're shutting down are able to preserve what you want to believe. What do you mean? Shutting down? Me- meaning like you, you, you say you need to stay away from the mainstream culture. Yeah. So that's kind of like, you know, it's a perpetual. Yeah, I just feel like it, it leads people into a really, like... I think it's a really bad detour <laughs> and it leaves people it leads people to like a kind of solipsism mm-hmm. which leads to a kind of neo- solipsism meaning okay you know uh the way I kind of think of it is like I think America and I in fact I think I'm pretty optimistic about this because I think I'm seeing a lot of signs that Americans, the people, not the people in power, not the influence, not the uh, people who influence media and politics and things like that, right? Mm. But I'm talking about just like regular people. I think there's a sort of like almost um, like Copernican type revolution going on of the mind. So. They used to be, uh, you know, they always talk about how, um, I always get this wrong. Was it Copernicus or Galileo? Who was the one that thought that the earth 
was the center of the, or that the sun was the center of the. Galileo. Yeah, Galileo, right? Mm. Okay, so Galileo was the one that thought. Who's Copernicus then? Anyway, doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, yeah, and doesn't matter. But the point being that who's <laughs> Copernicus? But that the you know the we used to think um, that the Earth was the center, or that not not whether we believed it or not, but that the rule was the rule mm-hmm. was that. Earth was at the center of the universe. Uh-huh, yeah. And there, then that was supposedly part of this sort of, like, way in which the Catholic Church maintained its sort of, like, centrality to all of human life. Mm-hmm. All of life. All of the universe, in fact, was, well, this Earth is at the center of everything, and at the center of the Earth is the, the, the Church. And so, therefore, we are the center of everything, mm-hmm. Right. But then that got upended um, when it was, when yeah, Galileo, when it was proven that, you know, hey, actually, you know, the earth is, uh, you know, just going around the sun. We're, we're not the main show. Uh-huh, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're part of something bigger. Uh-huh. And I think that um, the, what Adam Curtis called like the age of the self, I think there was this weird moment. Um, not that long ago, like decades ago, late 20th century, where they made our people in our interior universe, like the way that we as people think, like our, our shangfa, our mentality, mm-hmm. became a pre-Copernic, a pre-Galileo idea. Where we again were the center of the universe, but this time not the Earth, but our ourselves. Mm-hmm. We were the center of our own little universe. Mm-hmm. Each of us had the right to live in our own universe, where we were the center of everything. And I think that people all over the place are starting to reject that, and they're saying, like Galileo, what like said, you know, we're actually not the center of our own universe. Like we actually need. We are going around something else beyond beyond ourselves. But doesn't that make it sound like communist or religious or something? You know, I mean, religion feel has that aspect where the self is you you as you are in service to something bigger than yourself. Communism, socialism has that same concept. Mm-hmm. Um, we are. Uh, you know, I, I don't even want to, I don't even want to dignify it by calling it libertarianism, which is, has more worth than this. This is a sort of narcissistic consumer driven culture that wants you to be as solipsistic and self-centered as possible because that tends to, um, prime the pumps for competitive spending. Mm-mm-mm. That's it's it. Easy to manipulate. Yeah, they will literally poison your mind in order to get the correct kind of financial behavior out of you. Yeah, you know, like when you come when it comes down to it, the reason that this is happening is so stupid. You know, it's not like some grand ideological project. It's literally just because their very- their their financial models say that this will lead to more spending. 
you know. It's a very short term thing. Super short term. They don't want you to spend. That's it. That's it. It's really stupid, and that, therefore it's easy to get over this, in a way, because it's so not what people naturally believe, and but I see that a lot of people are going full. They're going all in on this, and I think that leads to, um, I think that leads to a lot of problems. Go all in, meaning like they're just they adopt it as they they really believe it, and they really believe in lifestyle, um, you know the lifestyle arms race. They really believe in the status. Um, but it, but but like right now, it's like a lot of people leaving their job and stuff from that withdrawal from that kind of. Yeah, I mean, I think that in that mindset they're what they're going to feel more than anything is a kind of shame and then they're going to feel a kind of impotent rage or anger meaning they're going to be mad but they're not going to know who or what to be mad at and so they'll either turn it on to someone that doesn't deserve it like their own you know like their their spouse or their family uh and then ultimately to themselves in which case then the end result is uh becoming suicide depression yeah a kind of self annihilation, you know, all because they were committed to, you know, this pre-Galilean idea of the self, that <laughs> the Earth or you are at the center of everything. You know, you can't make sense of the world if that's how you're going to view it. Just like you can't make sense of the but, world but, if but you think the Earth in, is at the center of everything. But in reality, they actually you know just go around with the product or whatever yeah there's reality and there's belief and the fact that your belief does not match reality is the problem well that's why you get depressed because it you cannot see who you really are you yeah. don't know yeah the the world becomes very alien to you right you become alienated from the world which i think is what people a lot of people sit talk about the conditions for depression is a feeling of alienation and being out of touch with the world. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of easy to be out of the touch with the world when you're thinking about it as complete. Your fundamental like theory about how the world works is wrong, like from the start. And the start is the idea that you're at the center of everything. I mean, if that's their view of the world, then of course you're going to become alienated from it. Because that's not how it works. You know? You, you can't be in touch with a universe that you've modeled. You have a very, very incorrect assumption about, which is that it's all about you. It's not all about you. And that's why, like, I think it's kind of very frustrating because things, look, no, everyone's life is full of things that don't go right. And if you're believe that the world is entirely about you, then it's like, well, how can that be? How can it be that I'm at the center of this universe, but everything is going wrong? And so you just lack a kind of toughness. You kind of lack a ability to adapt to the world because the world is supposed to adapt to you. Huh? Right? <laughs> There's so many people. There's no way you are the center. That's the other thing. How do how does your self-centered narcissism, how does that allow you to relate to anybody else? Because they're at the center of their universe. So you guys must be living in different universes. <laughs> you know? Like, th- that's that's what I mean. Alienated is like... It, your assumption, your sub, your assumption about the universe is wrong, and so you can't have everything goes wrong, right? Like your relationships go wrong because it's like you can't make sense of other people if you think you're at the center of everything. Well, then what's everyone else? Just an NPC in your video game? 
And those people probably feel the same way about themselves versus you. So you're an NPC in their game. So nobody understands each other. Nobody understands each other. And so, you know, and everyone, so everyone just lives in um, a sort of mental prison because the real world is of no interest or meaning to you because either it serves you and it revolves around you or it's not real. And that's not how the world works. And so you will just become more and more out of touch with the world and more and more alienated and ultimately depressed. Whereas if you understand that it's not about all about you, it is about you, but you're part of it. Um, you're just a part of it. Well, you can be your main character on your own stage, but then you also need to understand that it's a much bigger world and you're a very tiny part of it. Yeah, you're a small part of it. Yeah. But it's still you. And I, and I think... That's how I see myself. I'm the, uh, you know, I'm the main character in my own stage, but my stage is not the, for the whole world. It's, it's not just my stage. Yeah. Everybody has their own stage. Yeah. You know, and 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 it that I don't know that view of life I think makes the world feel a lot bigger and more alive. Whereas if but you think the, everything's you about you, you know, that, because that's how you connect to each other. Yeah, I just, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. That's how you connect to each other. You know, if everyone's at the center you, of their own world, you can't connect because we're we immediately going to have a disagreement as to. Who's at the center of the, which universe? You know? Because you, you understand that you are not the only one in this world. That's it. Then you are able to connect. Yeah. But if you only see yourself and then you see, don't see other people, how do you connect? Yeah. You don't even see them. Yeah. So, unfortunately, it seems like there isn't, you know, a clear um, set of instructions on how to, like, get older, but... The upside is there's loads and loads of books and loads and loads of everything that you can read. So I think... Are you going to recommend some books? In the future, yeah. I think so. But right now I'm just busy trying to read stuff. Random shit. Don't you reading like uh, Tom Patty? Yeah, his biography. <laughs> uh, and and uh, Rick... Uh, Rick Rubin, Rubin, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Talk about a guy that's had a really sad life. You know, just a really tragic set. Not not like insanely tragic or whatever, but um, he didn't go up like you know really good environment. But maybe yeah. that's why he becomes so famous. It is absolutely why he was so hell bent on getting away from there and make you know just moving on to something else in his life. It was a really it's a really interesting story. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, should we end it there? Yeah. Ah, that was a good talk. All right. We will see you next time. Bye-bye.